You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Join in on the conversation. Visit the sidebar at wearelibertarians.com and join our Facebook group, meet other listeners, and get our daily news dump. The Boss Hog of Liberty podcast is the latest hit on the We Are Libertarians Network. Each week, Jeremiah Morrill and Dakota Davis explore life in Henry County, Indiana. It's a show about our circle of friends, public officials, and our experiences. 80% observation, life, humor, and 20% politics. Boss Hog of Liberty is the day-to-day happenings of Henry County, Indiana, which is just like your community. Add us on iTunes and sample us today. Dear Leader would want you to. Oh, f- the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week, we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty rock and roll. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. It's time to shake up your podcast feed, folks, by subscribing to Lions of Liberty, the only libertarian variety show out there. Spend Mondays with me, Mark Clare, as I feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions. Electric Liberty Land with me, Brian McWilliams, every Wednesday, your weekly dose of comedy, culture, and liberty. And Felony Fridays with me, John Odermatt, where I expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. We are supported by listeners like you. Donate per month or make a one-time donation through PayPal or Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. We bring you all of the irreverence modern politics deserves while putting people before political parties. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective with the goal of leaving you better informed. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and subscribe at Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. In exchange for supporting our program, we give you all kinds of bonus content and free stuff, which you can see at patreon.com slash wearelibertarians. The best part is that if you if you subscribe at $5 a month or more, then you're going to get extra segments, extra shows now, which we'll explain in a moment. Sometimes two to three hours of extra content a week if you're a bonus. Uh, that's a lot. A lot of extra wall. So uh, fi- only for five bucks a month. And what you do is you help support the growth of independent media like us. This show is crowdsourced, so you can send us news with the hashtag WALnews or WALpolitics. 
We're in our Facebook group or Discord channel. Uh, both can be found at WeAreLibertarians.com. We're always taking your questions and comments via email at editor at WeAreLibertarians.com. Thank you to everybody that's emailed and written to the Facebook page. I uh, really appreciate the kind comments. Please be warned that this show is raw, it's unedited, and it's authentic, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. As I said at the top, I am Chris Spangle, your host. Joining me is my co-host, Harry Price. Harry, how are you? Going good, going good. Wish I had a lot of coffee, but, you know, I'm going okay. You uh, you seem like you've had a lot of coffee. Just a little. Um, not my full, like, two, po- two pots of coffee that I usually have, and then get my other French press this afternoon. Two Pots Shakur was your college nickname, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) No, back at college was Four Pots. Anyways, boom, boom. Uh, Yeah, Harry is Harry's on fire today. He's excited to get out of the house. He's a stay-at-home dad right now, Mm -hmm. and uh, which is a lot of fun, I would imagine. It is. It's it's awesome being a stay-at-home parent. Uh, I think I have the most fun on my wife's day off, Mm -hmm. and when she takes the baby, all that she wants to do. It, it, all day and watching her i don't want to say the word not fail <laughs> try not try and do her darndest that's it's more of a like uh then it, but it also makes me feel good because it's like wow i am doing such a great job <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me feel good because like well it's you know it's a day off for me and i can like you know do other things and she's right. sitting there playing with our daughter and it's and it's awesome. So does it weird you out that you got the maternal instinct in the relationship? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Which I would say that doesn't surprise me because at the wall pool parties, which got a little crazy at times, and there would be people like Jeremiah who the boss hog would get a little out of control. Harry was there to pick up all the pieces. He yes. was he was the caretaker of the group. <laughs> and I, I remember looking at Greg going, you know, Harry's the low-key best friend of this whole group, and none of us even realized it until tonight. I like to uh, play support class, right? You know, just when MMOs and or like RPGs. So it's like, oh, someone's in need, heal. I send a heal. I try to buff them, <laughs> try to get them up. You know, uh, enough of that Discord talk out of you, which I really love the Discord. The Discord's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. The Discord's great. We have a lot of cool conversations. Uh, just like a uh, niece and I had a really cool conversation about Dragon Ball uh, Z and Super on there a couple of times. Uh, on Friday nights, we sit on and we game on Friday nights and talk about different politics stuff like that. I don't even like read the conversations. I just play Duck Hunt. Oh, the Duck Hunt! <laughs> I'm 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 going to beat Moving Dot Target for for first place. I sit there at work with Duck Hunt up. You know that's me, right? Is that you? Yes, yeah, oh, me. Well, I'm gonna destroy you. Uh, so, <laughs> so can't beat me. Speak- I can I can I can spawn ducks. So if you get close, I can just give myself ducks. <laughs> you, what, that was the hand motion that you just did there. You're gonna just give myself some ducks. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, okay, so here here's a little update. We are going to add on something for our Patreon subscribers. You know, we are libertarians. We are always trying to expand and improve and do more. And uh, the more that you gift us in Patreon subscriptions a month, the more we are going to offer. And Harry Price, uh, the people have spoken. We have finally convinced Harry to do his own show. Yes. And Harry's going to start doing a Wednesday show on Twitch, Mm -hmm. a Twitch stream with the Discord chat. Yep. 
Uh, so you you could probably could get there. You're gonna probably post it in the Facebook groups too. Yeah, post in the Facebook groups. Um, if I get confidence, I'll so send it up to me. I'm probably not gonna send it to the main page group that, but definitely the Discord group. I'll definitely get it on the uh, Facebook page. If you're on the Discord, every time I stream in Discord, it automatically alerts you, Mister Mises. Right. Automatically alerts you on there and it tells you for streaming. But yeah, uh, people that have reached out to me and. Almost all of my uh, social networks about want me to continue doing um, the other show. Uh, so thank you for all those people that reached out to me and messaged me. I think the really the final straw that made me do it was a comment that I got on Instagram. <laughs> Someone messaged my Instagram about it. I was like, oh, wow, people really did like this. And that's what made me really want to do it because it's like, well, because in the back of your head when you're sitting out there talking to cameras, like, you know, it's like, I don't know if anyone really does this and. You know, I get such a good feedback on Tuesdays that makes me want to keep coming back every week. So doing that show and getting that feedback made me go like, I'll answer back. I'll I'll do this. this right. is, I'll do it. So every Wednesday, every Wednesday evening, mm-hmm. uh, evening, it's gonna be yeah, just gonna be evening. Um, I haven't decided the time because I thought about doing seven Eastern or, or eight Eastern. Okay. I haven't decided yet. I think it more about eight o'clock just so. Um, more people are settled in. And yeah, ready more people to, settle yeah. in, and the people from like Texas or at home, or people in uh, in um, so uh, SoCal, or like you know they're getting they're at a point where they can listen to a podcast. So Harry's going to host the community chat. Yep. So he's uh, I don't we I, I we can call it Loki Wall. I don't know if you've come up with a name for it yet. I've been called yeah I haven't came up with a name with it yet. But a working title is Loki Wall. That is probably end up going to stick if I can't think of something. Or, but other people can log in and chat with you, right? Correct. Yeah, you can log into Twitch, chat with me in real time while we discuss discuss uh, various topics. I as long as everyone stays okay, I will allow certain people from the Discord if you're high enough level into my chat to talk with me on air while I'm on Twitch. As long as you're high enough chat level on on the Discord. Okay. So Harry Harry's community chat every Wednesday night. Uh, and Harry and I were talking today, like. We we have so many that the goal of this show was to be an hour, and we've we've been way exceeding that because there's so much to talk about, mm-hmm. and there's so much Harry wants to talk about, and so we feel like adding another day is going to be good, but we didn't want to do another wall episode. I certainly cannot add another hour or three to my plate, uh, and so Harry is going to do a Wednesday show, and mm-hmm. you can watch live. I don't know what's up with my mind. Oh, you're, yeah, you're cutting out. Yeah. yeah. The other person you should th- also thank is my wife too. You know, do you know what? You know, taking Gunther for another night off my hands. Yeah. You know, so I can you know go and do that. But she likes the idea because just to give myself a break because like most of the time I either like just a mm-hmm. studying or b just you know watching Gunther all the time. So. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, hopefully my mic issues don't continue here. But anyway, so. Harry will be leading the chat Wednesdays. The you can watch it on Twitch. You can participate if you're uh, it, 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 anybody can participate, but priority goes to our uh, Discord folks. And then I think it's the actual mic here. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. You're down. You're uh-oh. down. Mic down. Hand me that mic down there, please. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely the mic. Uh, so, anyways, and then the only place that you can hear the audio is on the Patreon RSS feed uh, for those who subscribe at five dollars a month or more on the Patreon channel, which you can find at We're Libertarian. So that'll be a lot of fun, and uh, you can you can jump in on that. So, what what are you going to be talking about tomorrow, Harry? Tomorrow, well, um, also what also would happen after I also announced this and talked to um, 
uh, Chris on the, on the um, Discord server when we were discussing this. Uh, he immediately took a lot of my content that I wanted for today and kicked <laughs> it immediately, <laughs> over, immediately, immediately like, over to that Discord. It's like, oh, you're getting your show. You can yeah. t- talk about what you want yeah. tomorrow. Immediately took all my screeching and like made my own trailer card for me. It was like it was awesome. It just kind of appeared out of the ether. <laughs> um, yeah, um, but. I think on Wednesday I am going to bring up because uh, from the last show we had a list of uh, Wallisner and Discord uh, fanatic uh, Paul. He, he's also a mod on there. He brought up some of the Ross Ulbricht stuff. Right. I'm going to bring up more of that stuff to try to get more back into more into Ross Ulbricht, more on an update what has has happened, and to get more attention to it um, because I every time anytime Ross Ulbricht is brought up to most things, most people don't really they know a snippet or they know like a very bad movie or book oh they're like oh this is what i heard i'm like right. well that's not true and there's so much truth out about there i care about ross albrick because just about anyone in tech if you're under the age of 40 this could have been you any of you guys could have had this idea if given the right circumstances and decided to start the same thing and end up being ross he didn't start the site to become a drug kingpin it was just an idea to see what he could do, and it just kind of just started to grow off of that. Yeah, so, it's enough screeching. You can do that tomorrow night. Other <laughs> thing I want to do is uh, because of Ryan Holden and I have been going back and forth on the Discord server about the whole Intel, Intel CPU thing with the whole meltdown thing, right? Which is uh, I'm increasingly fascinated in. I got some tinfoil hat like conspiracy theories. Basically, about. It, long story short, every Intel chip ever created in any device is now uh, suspect. Sus- it's not suspect, but uh, susceptible. Yeah. to being hacked. Act. Yeah. It's it's really not good. Can you hand me that uh, that down there? Yeah, you're gonna have to try and keep these to like under four hours though, because the last yeah. time was like four hours. Uh, I got so. to try to keep a timer on it. So there, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, and it's a whole Intel thing, and it's like only certain chips. It's, I'll go into it on tomorrow. Trust me, it's it's huge because it even does ARM chips, even the ARM chip in your phone and some IoT devices. So yikes! If you buy a bunch of cool IoT devices, hope you get a firmware upgrade. That's why IoT sucks. All um, right, it, and then and apparently you kicked over my Iran stuff too. No, I didn't even touch the Iran stuff. Okay, and then James Daramore will be over there tomorrow too. So, all right. Wait a minute, that wasn't there a minute ago. When eh, did this get put there? That's uh, that's the beauty of the Overflow show. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, so first up tonight is, uh, basically the first two segments are a tale of good journalism and bad journalism. We're going to start with the bad journalism, uh, which I, f- I think it's fair to unfair to blanket uh, the Fire and Fury book by Michael Wolf as all bad journalism. But it's certainly more gossipy than uh, most things. Now, uh, I bought the book uh, the day that it came out. They moved it up. It was supposed to be released today, and it was actually put out last Friday so they could get a jump on uh, basically the president sent a cease and desist letter and uh, threatened to sue the publisher for releasing this book, and so they wanted to get it out to take advantage of something called the Streisand Effect. I don't know if you know what the Streisand Effect is, but essentially this uh, environmental photographer was taking photos of the beaches and like seven people had seen the photo of of the beach erosion that the photographer was taking a photo well the beach happened to be barbara streisand's and she sued for like four or five million dollars uh saying remove that photo that that violates my privacy now the photo's been seen 1.5 million times because <laughs> it, she brought attention to it. And Donald Trump came out and said this is a fake book, which whatever that means. 
and uh, said to the publisher, take this, uh, get rid of this, censor this. And so the it, it popped. Uh, it had some heat. The Guardian had gotten a, a preliminary copy somehow. Probably Michael Wolf shipped them the copy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, Maybe. And, it, and it's full of... Uh, it's full of gossipy stuff. Like there is, you know, on page seventy six, an account of, you know, Donald Trump's hair and how it actually works. In the in the first chapter, he talks about how Donald Trump considers it the highest goal of his to bang his friends' wives, and will like call call in one of his friends or his coworkers or underlings. And call up their wives on the speakerphone and say, you know, he's been saying terrible things to you. Just listen to how he talks about you. Brings the guy in, starts asking about their sex life, gets them to talk shit about their wife, and then he goes and tries and have sex with them. Nobody can verify if that's true or not, okay? Nobody knows if that stuff's true. Uh, I'm about 25% of the way through the book. Uh, I didn't get it read over the weekend for a myriad of reasons, but uh, I've read that the first... 30% 30% is the most important part anyways. And my impression of it, it's it's a very well-written book. It's very interesting. It is worth checking out from the library, maybe not purchasing. <laughs> okay? Uh, I, I it's, it's He's a very good writer. He loves those big SAT words. That I had to look up like seven words in the first 25%, like these enormous vocabulary words. It's very interesting. Mm. But every administration has these kind of books. There's two kind of books that always come out about a president's first year because everybody's always, everyone's always curious about the pageantry of how the uh, the new administration works and the the romance of it, and you know Ronald Reagan st- strolling down the hallways and how is he doing, uh, you know how how is he operating his White House? And there was a book, a famous book, which I loved called Dutch about Ronald Reagan, Edmund Morris, who is a fantastic writer, wrote this book about Ronald Reagan. He was granted access for the first year and decided that he didn't want to write a book, and so he basically narrated a story, made up some characters, put himself in the book, and it's very well written, but it's very, like, (laughs) it's not journalism, right? Kitty Kelly and Bob Woodward uh, wrote Bush administration books you had you know bob woodward's usually the one that writes the first of the year book uh i'm I'm not surprised he didn't get access to the trump administration you know so plan of attack for instance about bush and planning the iraq war and it's full of all these surprises kitty kelly wrote books about the the bushes and the obama uh, it wasn't the obamas the royals where it's just like crazy gossip Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you had Edward Klein writing books about Obama, the Obama administration, and it's just Michael Wolff has kind of carried on in those traditions. Mm-hmm. And what he has done is he's written a book where he is taking the the atmosphere and describing the atmosphere and passing along to you stories that have been told to him. Okay, so. Anybody who wanted, he basically says in the in the introduction of this book that nobody was there to tell me that I wasn't allowed to be there. Like mm-hmm. I literally sat on a couch and just hung out. I did two two hundred interviews and I have tapes and I took notes and blah blah blah. But it it shows the the 
the looseness, I guess we can say, of the Trump administration, where they don't, they were so inexperienced that they didn't know to say to a reporter, go away. <laughs> they just let him hang out. Yeah. And uh, so he picked up a bunch of stories, and, and people, it wasn't an authorized thing. Like, you've had some of these books have been authorized. Like, uh, what was the Jonathan Alter book, I think, the promise and then there was maybe it was the natural or something jonathan alter was essentially granted a ton of interviews with president obama to kind of outline his first few years and uh give you like the official account of what had happened well that wasn't what was happening with wolf wolf was just like wandering in and out of the white house and had been given clearance by bannon and was able to pick up a bunch of stories and he kept going to people, and they would just give their version of events. And the way that you really, I would interpret this book in, in all the reaction that I've seen is that it is the various camps within the White House, which come down to the Bannon camp. You have the first family in Donald Jr. and Ivanka and Jared Kushner. And then you have the Reince Priebus uh the the Reince Priebus GOP crowd, uh, Sean Spicer, and those three camps in that first few months until John Kelly got there were warring with each other, and they were telling Michael Wolf and any press that would listen all these different gossipy things about what was happening within the administration. And if you followed The Hill or Politico or any of the Washington press or watched the Sunday shows, you you've seen a lot of what is laid out in this book. Like, this book is not just a fabrication of things. This book is just a, a an accounting of the stories that were being told around the White House at that time. Now, that doesn't make it journalism. Journalism is when you are told these little pieces of facts, you write them down in your notebook, you go and you talk to your editor, and you, you go through an editorial process. Well, Michael Wolf didn't have that, and he clearly didn't even have a fact checker because there are so many inaccuracies in this book that everybody, from the left to the right to the Washington press, all are just like pointing out how many inaccuracies there are, and it just points out that he was rushing this book. Uh, he didn't have basic facts like he, he's just very sloppy. Yeah. Uh, basic facts like first names were wrong, birth dates were wrong, ages were wrong. You know, for instance, when he says the the steel dossier was published in CNN, well, it was actually published by BuzzFeed. Little things like that, that if it had gone through any kind of fact checking vetting process, mm -hmm. it it wouldn't it wouldn't have met muster. Like the New York Times editorial process would not have published this book, for instance. Okay, so but he he also the reason you also wouldn't have it clear the times is because they want to maintain access right and so what he is famous for michael wolf is famous for burning his sources mm -hmm. he just prints it cuz he knows he's never going to talk to these people again and he says eh here here's what they all said and uh and and a lot of the a lot of what people think is that people told him stuff and thought that it was off the record and he published it anyways uh, and I think you can verify that a lot of it, especially a lot of what Steve Bannon said was true, was was that Steve Bannon apologized. <laughs> and Steve Bannon basically ghost writ wrote this book. Like the the majority of this is focused on Bannon. Donald Trump is not a character in this book, really. Even it, it's really about it's central to Bannon. 
And it is essentially like Bannon just sat there and fed him everything, mm-hmm. just like he did with uh, the Joshua Green book, uh, Devil's Bargain. And that was the statement that was released last week was basically uh, Donald Trump eviscerating Steve Bannon so effectively that it made my nipples hard uh, and saying that the only thing that's the, the only <laughs> thing that was improved was the uh, phone bill when <laughs> when he left here. I mean, Steve Bannon just basically has uh, glommed on to anybody of notoriety and made himself a barnacle. He started with Sarah Palin and then Dick Morris and made documentaries about them and then Donald Trump. And he's not the genius that everybody has assigned in Washington, I, I think. And I think if you listen to Ben Shapiro, who worked with Bannon and has a pretty uh, – man, the show after the the statement by Trump last week, whatever day that was, I think Wednesday, Thursday – of last week, and it was just basically an hour of Ben Shapiro eviscerating Steve Bannon uh, and saying he's a terrible person. He's a complete, he thinks that he is uh, a brilliant man. He's a phony. He's a guy who's a Goldman Sachs, uh, Ivy League educated billionaire who flies around on his jet pretending to be homeless to ingratiate himself with a group of people that he's never really been a part of. He comes in after the fact. He comes in after Trump has won the nomination. He's put in charge of the campaign by the Mercers, who are the biggest funders of Trump's campaign at that point, so they want their eye on the campaign. But he's not the strategist. He's just there helping execute what what Roger Stone and Donald Trump formulated a year before that. And then Bannon would leak to the press that he was the genius behind the Trump victory. And... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. He actually had very little to do with it. Uh, And then he caused nothing but strife once he got into the White House. And now, today, he's been fired by Breitbart. And uh, I'm happy about that because I think Steve Bannon is an absolute cancer on the body politic. I think he's nothing more than a propagandist who is manipulating people who are ill-informed and are generally biased towards, uh, well, they're... They they only will read what the president tells them to read. Like, they're the useful idiots of the Trump movement, to be honest. And I think that he manipulates those people to believe certain things and helps, helps continue this alternate reality that Donald Trump creates. Mm-hmm. And what, what you really are seeing right now in the reaction of this book is the people who live in that Donald Trump alternate reality – view this book the way that Donald Trump views this book. The people who are in the Washington press view the way that the Washington press would view that book. The people on the left look at the book and say, well, here it is. This is the smoking gun to get him out of office, saying the exact same thing they've always said. So the the book Fire and Fury is really just a chronicle of the last year of politics, and I apologize for spitting all over Harry. Um, I just gleaked everywhere. I apologize. Everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, 
So it was like uh, I was smashing watermelons up here, like at a Gallagher <laughs> concert. <laughs> so this book really isn't a lot. Of, a lot of it is just not new. A lot of it is stuff you already know. And if you read the book, you're just going to go, oh, yeah, I forgot that happened. (laughs) And with a few behind-the-scenes insights that if you were paying attention to the Washington press, you would have already kind of seen this stuff. It's like the stuff that you see on Twitter that kind of makes the rounds on the Washington Journal-O, you know, the the Journal-O's, kind of like the the nerd juggalos. That, that stuff that floats around like, you know, Donald Trump doesn't Donald Trump can't read, <laughs> you know, like so the whole book is just that stuff. It, it's a it's a really great place to start. Like if you're just coming into the into politics and you're kind of getting interested and you kind of want to uh, catch up on where we're at in terms mm-hmm. of the Trump administration, this is a good place to start to recap the first year. But you, you have to be careful because it needs to be read skeptically because he didn't have an editorial process on this. It literally is just him writing what he heard he's he, it's that's not journalism like yes writing a journal and then presenting it to the public I, you could i guess say is journalism but that's not really what modern journalism is about modern journalism is about trying to work a bunch of different sources to find the most accurate fo- uh, the most accurate picture of what's going on in those times hmm. and so it's just more like a blog it, in written it, form Basically, but really well written, and uh, you can get a taste of it. I'll put two Vanity Fair, I think it was, and the Hollywood Reporter, both had excerpts of the book, and I will put that into uh, the show notes so you can get the link to that. Uh, I'm also sending the show notes and the episodes out to our email list, so sign up on our email list at wearelibertarians.com or walpolitics.com. Mm-hmm. Walpolitics.com is the official home for We Are Libertarian show notes. So you can find uh, all the output and all the uh, byproduct of wall show prep at WALpolitics.com uh, and on our Facebook and Twitter there. So so I really uh, – I, I just didn't find anything in this to be groundbreaking, or, and some of it was not believable, <laughs> right? So um, – so it's an entertaining read, but it is not an accurate depiction, nor do I think it was ever intended to be. I don't think the author ever intended it to be that. And and it just makes us, uh, those of us who are rational and who live in the middle feel crazy because we're stuck again in the middle. The people who haven't read the book are sitting there screaming opinions about the book, and you just go, well, okay, what's the truth? Well, the, this is what the truth is. I mean, it, it's just... It is how it is. What is what reality are you living in? <laughs> is how you're going to perceive the book. So if you're uh, somebody like me, and here's my take on Trump, I think the Trump administration is pursuing a few policies that are very libertarian that I like. I think there are a few policies, especially in terms of foreign policy, that are not libertarian and that I do not like. Uh, the man, Donald Trump, I think is grotesque unbecoming and unprepared to be the president of the United States. I find him hilarious, uh, but I also find him to be um, a giant baby. And uh, and it's funny to see everybody start to have the conversation. I, I tweeted out two or three months ago, it's hilarious to watch everyone pretend uh, to pretend that there isn't a giant baby in the White House. Because what... what when, it's like <laughs> if you watch the Sunday shows and you watch the Washington 
press briefings, the White House press briefings, it's like Kim Jong-un. Like, we all can see Donald Trump with our eyes. Yeah. And we all know the reality of who and what Donald Trump is. And then these people come out and say things that, like, just are the opposite of what we all see. And then there's hilariously this group of people on the right who just believe that reality because Baghdad Bob says it. And uh, this book kind of feels like a lot of those people saying to Michael Wolf, here's what I really think, and I've just got to get this off my chest, print this, but don't put my name on it. Mm. Well, yeah, because it's like the people that want to believe in the uh, Donald Trump 5D chess theory, right. because it's very comforting, like, oh, no, he's playing 5D chess, he's got this, he's not a crazy person, he's not a big baby, he knows exactly what he's doing. No, 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 he's got it all under control, he's got it all under control, yeah. I believe it, I know he does. It feels good, it's like, right. oh, no, no, this is 5D chess here, this is a good move here, you know, just like uh, uh, I was uh, talking to my mother about it, it's like, it's like... When Donald Trump went against the whole kneeling thing, it's like, no, that's a D, it's a 5D chess move, making it okay to protest, making yeah. it okay for black people to deal. It's like, yeah, that's the 5D chess move there. Was it a crazy person tweeting about football players? No, I mean, there's stuff that, I mean, Donald Trump was denied purchase of the Buffalo Bills. He had his business interest in the, in the football league that ESPN did the documentary about crushed by the NFL mm-hmm. and he holds a grudge against the NFL and now he's taking it out on them. And then he just went to the college football championships yesterday yep. and, uh, you know, stood for the, for the anthem. Mm-hmm. So Don Jr. could tweet out, it's so great to see someone standing for the anthem. Meanwhile, Donald Trump doesn't know the words to the national anthem. Go, I'll post this in the show notes, but the video, and I've posted this on Facebook too, the video of Donald Trump mouthing the words or trying to mouth the words to the national anthem is hysterical because he clearly has no (laughs) idea what the words to the anthem are. And like when he gets to the, you know, bombs brightest red glare, then he mouths it. But then like there's the, and 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 it's listen. the best glare. It is the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a superfluous thing to like be mad about, but it's just funny because of his emphasis on it. And he's just like all the rest of us. Like n- none of us can sit there and sing the whole national anthem just from start to beginning. Maybe some of us can, but I, I can but, get the verse three. Right. Most of us kind of like at the. <laughs> but like Donald Trump would tell you, I know all the words. I wrote the words. Like the best words. Like, <laughs> right now, he's executive power. He could change it. Right. <laughs> this is the new anthem. I wrote it. <laughs> so it, it is. It's hilarious to me. Oh, can't you see my glory? <laughs> so uh, probably the best breakdown uh, was uh, David Harsanyi uh, in, in The Federalist. It says, don't let fire and fury normalize fake but accurate. And I thought this is probably the best breakdown of, of it, it kind of covered every angle of this book and was really a fair treatment of it and all the 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 coverage of it. Um, you know, and he just basically says, you know, the, the the press reaction has been a problem and that they take a book like this wholesale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he like. The Boehner story. He knows who Boehner is. Come on. Saying in the book that he doesn't know who John Boehner is is ridiculous. He's played golf with the man. Like, everybody, it's it's easy to debunk that he knows who, he doesn't know who John Boehner is. Um, and so David writes, 
Not that these sorts of tomes are new. Every president has his Kitty Kelly. What is new, though, is the wall-to-wall coverage of the book. Wolf has given outlets a convenient excuse to repeat unverified stories about the Trump administration that they couldn't talk about otherwise. Mm-hmm. In doing so, there are left to, they are left to defend the book's abstract truths. This was the this was astonishing things to read. Uh, this was an astonishing thing to read. Uh, I found an error in their writing. Uh, imagine members of the press in 2012 arguing, sure, the Ed Klein book about Barack Obama is filled with unsubstantiated anecdotes, exaggerations, and untruths, but the spirit of the narrative rings true, so we're going to cover the heck out of it. It's far more likely that we would see CNN has not independently confirmed many of Klein's assertions, so we doubt the veracity of the book as a whole. This was a journalistic standard. Not to mention that the broader narrative of Fire and Fury doesn't always seem to align with reality unless you believe Steve Bannon's perception of the world. Reading the epilogue of the book, it's rather obvious that the former White House chief strategist drove Wolf's narrative, attacking his enemies and getting basic facts about events and people wrong. For instance, the description of senior policy advisor Stephen Miller as an uneducated intern whose lack of policy chops drove him to Google for how to write an executive order is absurd, no matter what you make of his opinions. Uh, nominally accurate uh, is what a lot what a lot of people are saying. Maggie Haberman, um, you know, Maggie Haberman, I think, is an exceptional reporter. She is the White House reporter uh, for the New York Times. Uh, Long reads podcast. The Atlantic Interview podcast. Uh, who else? Uh, the Preet. What's his face? Bahara. Preet Bahara did an interview with Maggie Haberman. Uh, I highly suggest that you go and listen to those podcasts with her. Be and I'll put those in the show notes because Maggie uh, Haberman is a very influential journalist because she's covered Donald Trump for twenty years at the New York Post and the New York Times. And uh, she is setting the tone for what a lot of people believe about Donald Trump. Um, And so she writes, even if some things are inaccurate, flat out false, there's enough notionally accurate that people have difficulty knocking it down. Well, that is true. The, The broader narratives seem like they could be accurate, but the facts are wrong. Well, he writes, notionally accurate sounds a lot like fake, but accurate. Uh, So... And he points out that a lot of these people are writing books about Trump, and so they'd like to knock one of their competitors down. So, uh, and I just want to make sure there's nothing else in this that, um, but I would say, like, you know, Steve Bannon saying that uh, he apologized. Mm -hmm. And here's why that's monumental. (laughs) Steve Bannon basically put out a statement apologizing to Trump and saying he supports Trump and he apologizes to the kids and he didn't mean to call Don Jr. traitorous. He meant Paul Manafort. Well, Steve Bannon considers apologies weakness. Um, We've talked about Steve Bannon and Donald Trump and how they're very similar in that apologizing shows weakness. You never admit that you're wrong. You just bury your way through you know, if you're accused of molesting 14-year-old girls, you 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 just throw it back and say it's fake news and they're concocting it. Mm-hmm. Well, what about these handwritten signatures from two of the witnesses? That's all forged and faked, mm-hmm. you know, like, and you just, like, keep going. Keep chugging forward. Keep chugging forward. Take well, photos at a Girl Scout camp while you're at you. Steve Bannon is the, is the person who is, like, spearheading the fake news charge against the mainstream media and he came out and said that 
I'm sorry I said this stuff, wouldn't it be easy enough to say, this is fake news. They made This guy made this all up. Mm-hmm. Well, he knows he can't because what he said is on tape. Those 200 hours of tape, probably 199 hours of it is Steve Bannon. Right. You know, and so... I think there's a lot of a lot of this stuff is probably pretty accurate, but mm-hmm. so it's notionally true. So <laughs> plausible. The one cool thing is like was the um, when he was on uh, MSNBC and he was talking about it in the book. Well, in the book, you know, there's a lot of talk about people using the 25th Amendment to you know to take away powers from Trump. Now that was an interesting topic there, though. Yeah. So Mike, scary though. Michael Wolf basically said that 100 percent of the people mentioned the all believe he's nuts. Mm-hmm. And uh, that they discuss as a staff the 25th Amendment often. And uh, Axios writes, Axios is a great website. If you, it, it's really quick information. Uh, some of the re- sites that I recommend, Axios, Political Wire, Real Clear Politics, you can get uh, the hill. You can get just a quick look at what's going on in politics and the news by checking these sites out. Um because they're kind of aggregators. Mike Allen used to run Politico's, uh, the, the Political Wire of the Morning uh, email that basically Washington elite and establishment people leak rumor and gossip to him. And uh, and he prints it, and he's one of the most powerful people in Washington, one of the most powerful reporters, started Axios, and uh, he writes in Trump's State of Mind, uh, the article posted uh, a couple days ago, uh basically uh after the I'm a really smart genius I mean Trump <laughs> tweeted out actually throughout my life my two greatest assets have been mental stability and being like really smart why <clears throat> would you put the like in there like are you just <laughs> messing with us like you're just messing with us aren't you sir I think that would qualify as not smart but genius a very stable genius at that like mm-hmm. which is the funniest thing ever like a very stable genius is so funny um uh i forgot to plug that in oh could you uh awesome yeah could you be a deer and plug that in for me thank you a lot of technical issues uh welcome back for the new year um so we're just kind of in uncharted waters with people questioning and and mike allen kind of lists this you know leaders and citizens of other nations are openly debating trump's sanity Democrats, who already called in a psychiatrist to brief them on his mental health, will surely escalate the inquiry. Republicans on the Hill privately expressed concerns about the president's stability, though none have been willing to air their concerns publicly. Most urgent of all, the internal madness Trump stirs makes it more likely top staff leave and less likely good replacements come in to help run the government. This, more than anything, worries the inner circle. The media, at first delicately delicately, and now less so, is increasingly exploring the president's neurology. As I type this, the banner on CNN is mental health issue. Is it wrong to question Trump's mental fitness? So, um, the, the, the right, the mental stability topics they talk about are more around narcissism, impulse control, and lack of empathy, all traits well-known to voters before the election. And is, presidents. Right. He has very... Close. He has very few close and authentic relationships with people outside of Ivanka and Hope Hicks, who sources say he views as another daughter. What some officials say troubles them is, at best, they seem to have no improvement in the office. In office, at worst, there's been a slight worsening. Trump definitely repeats stories a lot, which uh, Michael Wolf in the book basically said. You know, he he will repeat stories over and over, and he will just kind of like 
he he would repeat the same 10 stories every three hours and now it's like three stories every hour and it's just a lot of repeating um he repeats a lot of stories some friends say more than he did in the past and might only let aides say two or three words before cutting them off again these are not new characteristics uh another biographer basically came out and another biographer basically came out and said yeah that part of the book is absolutely true because in uh my uh, i forget what what he wrote um he base it was a book review on CNN about the book basically said that's absolutely true he report repeat stories he doesn't listen he uh he's he's just uh just very self-absorbed which we can believe um some aides say that if colleagues aggressively push back sometimes using curse words in a raised voice he listens and seems to invite more of it but if they remain struck by how quickly he gets roiled and consumed by the smallest of slights or pushbacks outside of meetings um Officials point to how he handled Syrian airstrikes and his triumph with the tax bill, but the same officials also concede that gets way overshadowed by the not normal dimensions of most days. Trump has told people close to him that if you want to do great things in life, you're going to have people taking shots at you. Remember, this is a man who has spent his entire adult life in some form of litigation. Uh, several friends and aides have told us in private they worry about an impulse over dangerous move against North Korea, others or others too, especially at Trump's bubble titans and strong-minded internal critics leave the White House. So, you know, the the mental illness question I think is being brought up because it's clear the Russian insider stuff didn't work. Right. Like as we've detailed, like I'm done talking about Russia. That's such a it's 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 over. Mm-hmm. That was so 2017. Um, and I, it, it's just clear to anybody who's of an independent mind that there's really, there's really was no collusion between the Russians and the Trump administration to win that election. Correct. So now the, the next phase is the mental health stuff. Yeah. We're going to get them on mental health and, um, got someone in chat dead us talk about they should probably bring back the Goldwater rule. Well, the Goldwater rule exists. And so essentially um i i can kind of outline where that comes from if you um let's see harry 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 what do you do you think trump is crazy i have not um not a psychiatrist but i think it um i don't think he's crazy but i think anyone that can believe that they should be president or be in charge of that many people or be the mouthpiece of that (laughs) many people have some form of narcissism or some form of a gigantic ego on them Right. Whether that's a bad thing or hampering to his, you know, situation, pop, I don't know. Uh would it get to him that he used to be a he's used to being a pub he's used to being a public figure, but probably not controlled in the same manner that he is. Right. That if he wanted to go get a pizza, he would just go get a pizza. He can't really do that right now. He's mm-hmm. gotta be careful, his movements are planned. And I think that and that can get to a person. Especially someone like Trump, who's just like, no, I'm just going to go do this. I do what I want. You know, you know who I am. I can go anywhere in the world. So the simple fact that you know, being that excuse me, uh, excuse me yeah. uh, that rat bubble of, of being president, it does probably get to him because stuck at one spot, then go do this, then you know, you got all these meetings, and, and it gets. But being crazy, no. Uh, being a just a baby boomer who repeats stories over there, yeah, like majority baby boomer, <laughs> just repeat stories. <laughs> 
over and over again. Most Gen Xers and millennials know what I'm talking about, that they have had their baby boomer boss tell them the exact same story at when they came in for that morning meeting and when they left that afternoon. They got the exact same story from that stinking baby boomer boss. Right. Uh, so, is your boss crazy? No, he's just a freaking boomer. It's what they freaking do. Yeah, and and that's sort of where I come down. Like, I don't think Donald Trump is uh, an insane person. Like, I don't think that he's crazy. I think that he's just, he has declining faculties. I think he's a 70-year-old man, 71, mm-hmm. uh, who doesn't exercise, who who eats a massive amount of fast, fast food, two two pints of ice cream a day. Like here's somebody that has Got done that scoop scoops. who has done that for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the Wolf book talks about how he eats cheeseburgers in bed before he goes to bed and like eats KFC <laughs> because he's afraid that the White House chefs are going to poison him. He has a lifelong like fear of being poisoned and uh that that like he doesn't one of the one of the gossipy things was that like he w- refuses to let the White House staff clean his room. Like he 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 will he will take his sheets off the bed and give them to them to clean, or he will like yell at them if they pick the clothes up off the floor. Like he's just very particular. Like remember when the dossier came? It's like I'm I'm also kind of a germaphobe. So, mm-hmm. but here's a man who doesn't take care of himself and who is you know working himself endlessly. So if I I have said on this show multiple times over the last few months, something's up with Donald Trump because there's been a clear cognitive decline. And I'm not saying that because I dislike the man, because I don't want the man to have cognitive decline. Like he was elected by the American people. I want him to take care of himself and be healthy. I definitely don't want Mike Pence to be president. You know, like I've I've uh, been in Indiana when Governor Pence was Governor Pence and he was the worst governor in modern history and uh, I would prefer Trump over Pence I think uh, but all he had to do after Mitch Daniels was just sit there in a chair and smile and he didn't do that he ruined it he wrecked everything uh, so so Trump is somebody who just doesn't take care of himself like I am fat and I am at the gym all the time and I shouldn't have had Chick-fil-A for lunch <laughs> but like and I'm doing and I'm going to the gym and I can barely walk today because yesterday was leg day because I know the consequences of eating a fast food diet every day, three days, three meals a day for 70 years and not exercising. Like I know what kind of, uh, you know, mental decline you can have, mm-hmm. what kind of health decline you can have. And so he doesn't take care of himself. And mm-hmm. I think when you start to see him slurring his words during the move move of the Jerusalem uh, move of the embassy to Jerusalem <laughs> yeah i know how is that chick-fil-a how man. ironic is that you got that chick-fil-a in you uh, so <laughs> you know and then the holding the water with two hands is odd and the just kind of wandering around the stage a lot and the the decrease which will kind of detail some of that in, with some of these articles like I've had some concerns and I've mentioned it a couple times on the show that I'm worried about him. I think that there's an issue with him and I'm not doing that out of any kind of like political malice because frankly, like I don't care if Donald Trump or like I'm a libertarian. Like mm-hmm. for, for me, Donald Trump has been better than Hillary Clinton in, in, in some ways. And I think Donald Trump would be better than Mike Pence. So like, I don't want anything to happen to the guy. 
Uh, and just on a human level, you don't right, want to yeah. see like I mean the, yeah human because that is somebody's dad. Yes, yeah. you know that you know. This I, is I watched dad. I watched my two great grandparents uh, slip away from into Alzheimer's. I've got uh, my grandmother right now who is in the mid stages of Alzheimer's, and you know to the point where you go and she doesn't know who you are, mm. you know, and has some vague deep set memories, but for the most part will tell you the same stories over and over and over. And so I know the signs of dementia and I know the signs of Alzheimer's. And, you know, when you really like in these two articles I'm about to present, like there if if some of this stuff is true, that's concerning. Yeah. And a lot of it mimics the decline of Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. Um, so. <laughs> I, I just I I'm not saying this because out of political malice. I just I just think that it is it is a relevant discussion to have if a 71 year old man that doesn't take care of himself physically uh, and, and is showing weird behavior mm-hmm. is having some issues. Right. When he's president of the United States. Yeah, can get scary. Can get it, it's very dangerous. Um, but you know, just uh, just remember like a. <sighs> It, uh, they can't really diagnose him with Alzheimer's. They can think he has the signs of it. They won't, but they won't truly know until they slice open his brain. And, sure, and I'm sure they probably won't let him. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I'm president right now. I can't have you slice open my brain. Thanks. I'm just saying, if he, when he passes, he's hard like, I'm to just pass. Not going to let you. Um, yeah, and the two like whole cup things. Yeah, that could just be like it does look like um like a maybe like a l- lack of motor function. Yeah. Uh, or just could be like an injury or it was heavier than he thought or he was just like just tired and nervous but who knows mm-hmm. you know don't know what's going on in that whole situation the whole context of the thing um you know i've never been in front of a camera for 24 hours a day sure you know, for a year i think i'd probably be like get my yeah coffee. but this guy has been I know, most of his true. adult life but it's a different it's different though of it's course, completely yeah. different like i said it's um he can be in front of the cameras and it's but if he wanted to he could jump on his jet and ditch them all at any moment no i can't do that yeah i'm thin-skinned and sensitive and uh i can't imagine because he's twice three four times more than i am yeah <laughs> i'm uh like i couldn't do it either because like i'm so thick-skinned but um, i can also write people off very quickly so I, I, that's why I know I couldn't be president. There's so many people out there in the street starving because, like, you know what? I'm going to be president, but I'm not going to do anything for four years. I'm just going to sit in Camp David playing video games and just inviting YouTubers over to game with <laughs> the entire four years. Or golf every day. Uh, so No, I demand to be in the NFL. And I want to be quarterback <laughs> of, of losing teams with losing records. I demand to be quarterback. What are you going to do, lose? <laughs> <laughs> You'll, uh, all-time attendance records. What? A, yeah, I'm going to be quarterback for the, for the Cowboys. It'll be awesome. <laughs> so Jacob Solomon Reason on January 8th, and I'll put this in the show notes, wrote an article titled, Is Trump a Very Stable Genius or a Dangerous Lunatic? And I thought this was a very fair, well-written article. It's not as hyperbolic as it seems. Um, there's a, a Yale forensic psychiatrist named Bandy Lee. She wrote a book along with 20 other, 27 other psychologists talking about his mental health. Um, and, uh, she says the level of concern by the public is now enormous. They're telling us to speak more loudly and clearly and not to stop until something is done because they are terrified. Now, here's the thing about Bandy. Uh, and, and I've read some of the stuff in that she's said in other articles and she really cherry picks a lot of things and kind of blows them out of proportion to fit her narrative. Mm-hmm. And so I don't find her to be all that credible. She seems to be 
somebody who has a political agenda and is using her credentials to mm-hmm. diminish uh, the the view of the president of the United States for political gain, which is not something you're supposed to do, according to the gold uh, the uh, the uh, Goldwater rule, which I'll explain in a moment. But she wrote a book called The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, 27 Psychiatrists and Mental Health Experts Assess President. <clears throat> Uh, so, um, I think, and so he basically goes on to write, I think Lee and Trump are both drawing hasty conclusions based on biased samples and Lee's belief that she has any special authority to judge the president's competence is as at least as delusional as Trump's belief that his success as a developer, reality TV star, and a politician puts his IQ score above 140. Lee is rebelling against the American Psychiatric Association's ruling barring members from diagnosing at a distance public figures whom they have not personally examined. The injunction, which can be found in Section 7 of the APA's Principles of Medical Ethics, is known as the Goldwater Rule because it was largely a response to psychiatric critiques of the 1964 presidential nominee, in particular an article in Fact magazine that quoted APA members who described Goldwater as, among other things, a dangerous lunatic, a repressed homosexual, a self-hating Jew, a paranoid schizophrenic, and a mass murderer at heart, just like Hitler, Castro, Stalin, and other known schizophrenic leaders. All right, hmm. well, that seems a little extreme. Hmm. Uh, the APA has rejected such wild speculation as unprofessional and unethical, a pseudoscientific cover for political disagreements, yet psychiatry itself is based on equating things people say and do with diseases, providing a medical veneer to value judgments. And the profession's diagnoses are inherently subjective uh, and cannot be verified by biological tests, which is exactly exactly the truth. Like, what I go in, I see a therapist, what I go in and tell my therapist is what the all the information that she has so it's like michael wolf when he gets all of his information from steve bannon that becomes his reality for a book you know and if my therapist were writing a book about my life then she's going to have one side of the story and uh she she's not going to have harry's side of the story well you know uh i you you spangle just broke up with this person well, I'm sure that person would have, you know, go and talk to my ex-wife. She's going to have a totally different view of me than I have of me in that relationship. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so it is a subjective field. Um, the They basically declared him a paranoid schizophrenic, <laughs> which is not true of Barry Goldwater. He was just um, quirky, and he was on the political edge in a time when you had the Great Society passed. He was the Ron Paul before there was Ron Paul versus Barack Obama mm-hmm. when a uh, Barack Obama ideology was more popular in a, in a war society than, uh, you know, than even Barack Obama was in his time. So, um, they argue Lee and her allies argue the Goldwater rule as applies to Trump conflicts with their duty to warn the public about the grave danger posed by a flagrantly unstable, uh, president. Uh, Alan Francis, who edited the fourth edition of the APA's Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM, which is kind of like the Dictionary of Mental Disorders, uh, agrees that Trump is temperamentally unsuited for his job, but questions attempts to cast those assessments as a psychiatric diagnosis. He's definitely unstable, Francis told the Times. He is definitely impulsive. He's a world-class narcissist, not just for our day, but for the ages. You can't say enough about how incompetent and unqualified he is to be leader of the free world, 
but that doesn't make him mentally ill. I'd probably agree with that. I mean, how do you yeah. feel about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in the DSM, and I'm glad he put this in here. Uh, in the Every DSM, college student doing intro to Sykes' favorite book, right? Uh, narcissistic personality disorder, for instance, as a pervasive pattern of grandiosity in fantasy or behavior, need for admiration and lack of empathy, beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts. The diagnosis requires at least five of these symptoms. Has a grandiose sense of self-importance. Example, exaggerates achievements and talents. Expects to be recognized as a superior without commensurate achievements. Number two, is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, powers, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. Number three, believes that he or she is special and unique and can (laughs) only be understood by or associated with other special or high-status people or institutions. Really? Number four, requires excessive admiration. Number five, has a sense of entitlement, i.e. unreasonable expectations of especially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with his or her expectations. Number six, is interpersonally exploitative, i.e. takes advantage of others to achieve his or her own ends. Number seven, lacks empathy, is unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of other. Rosie's a pig. Number eight, is often envious of others or believes that others are envious of him or her. Number nine, shows arrogant or haughty behaviors or attitudes. Are we discussing Obama or Trump? (laughs) Or Bush? Or any person that thinks they can be president? Right. There's a book called A First Rate Madness, uh, which is on my shelf, but I have not yet read which basically talks about uh, how you have to be an insane person to be president in the United States or a political figure, uh, but especially president. Um, Can't wait to read it. But, I mean, I would apply all nine of those to Donald Trump. (laughs) So, yeah, I could see it. But just like I said, I could see it. But I see that in a lot of people, though. You know, how many other people that you know, they're like, oh, this is this, 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 this. It seems like a BuzzFeed quiz. Yeah, give me your Chipotle order, and I will tell you, you know, what, what you're uh, on the DSM forward issue that you have. Right. So, you know, because like a lot of the because I'm not disgracing like drawing discredit the DSM forward, just more of a, like a lot of these things. Like these are just guidelines. Yeah, they're guidelines, and you have to take tests of whether they're accurate. Because I think every human has the capability for it, but like I think it's like yeah, it's very um, disingenuous and you know and makes the entire like psychology feed looks more like pseudoscience when they just go out and they're like i've never met this person but i'm gonna say this is what i think this person has it's crazy right and so he he talks about in this uh cato unbound uh cato unbound uh thing where they're basically talking this francis guy's talking about narcissistic personality disorder which is little more than a list of unappealing characteristics that often go together and a and a serious mental illness like schizophrenia, which may actually be several different things and may or may not involve identifiable neurological defect, but in France's view entails a lack of self-control that can justify coercive intervention. So somebody who is basically, a, a, let's say he is a malignant narcissist. Let's mm-hmm. say you did get a panel together and you did uh, look over Donald Trump Um you you are probably uh, in terms of whatever personality disorder ha- he has. 
you're probably not going to find anything new. You're not going to find somebody who is a paranoid schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've dealt with, I've dealt with uh, a couple people in my life that have been schizophrenics, and anybody who has a schizophrenic family member can tell you intervention is needed. Like, they're they're dangerous to others or to themselves a lot of times mm-hmm. without proper treatment and medication. Well, Donald Trump is not a mentally ill person in the vein of a schizophrenic. He is somebody who is a functioning member of society that has amassed wealth and has mm-hmm. managed to get himself elected president. Uh, which on the if, first try. On the first try, which if you read the <laughs> Michael Wolf book, the opening part and one of the pieces that I'll, uh, the Hollywood Reporter piece, basically talking about how none of them expected to win and then they were all like, oh shit. <laughs> but, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Uh, so, what do we do now? Right. And uh, <laughs> so... So Donald Trump is just he has a list of unflattering personality traits that aren't signifying mental illness, but he's just somebody that's grotesque. Like, yeah, it doesn't mean that there needs to be medical intervention. And these are things that we all knew about Donald Trump. And Mm -hmm. almost half the country said, "Okay, he can be president. We'd still prefer him over Hillary Clinton. Right. That's the other thing, too. Yeah. How bad was Hillary? You know? Right. You know, that shows you how worse that you lost to someone who's possibly, you know, paranoid, you know, like, who's, just, you know. But the other thing with it is if he made it to that age, 70 years old, did all these businesses, went through Hollywood, and you're trying to just tell me he got through all of that with a diagnosis undiagnosed mental disease right you're saying that one person through all of hollywood all these business deals all these meetings that someone just go like hey donald i'm going to tell you the truth okay i think you have this issue you probably need to get checked out or some you're talking about like someone didn't do a business deal with them was like you know what i'm gonna do this business deal with you but i'm gonna need you to see a therapist right just real quick man just to <laughs> check you out you know uh so and he probably has seen a therapist just for other things, though. Oh, I doubt that. Oh, that that's a man who's never seen a therapist. I'm, I'm sure office. he has, but they probably got like that NDA is so lit tight. The only time he's probably ever seen a therapist office is like when it was in the the Washington break in in the 70s, but they tried to break into Daniel Ellsberg's office to steal some stuff. On well, a, they, or he bought one because it was in the building that he had. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I just uh, I look at this and I go, okay, this guy is you know if we're talking about his behavior this is the behavior that we all elected like this is not somebody that uh is is uh necessarily a dangerous person when i see a lot of the bluster like when when george bush started a war in mm-hmm. 2003 there were rallies across the nation people were in the streets ranting and raving and there were articles about you know we shouldn't have a war blah 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 everybody that takes this so unseriously that nobody's protesting a nuclear war which is way worse than the war in iraq right like that's nuclear holocaust Mm -hmm. compared to the war in iraq which wasn't good but it's not nuclear holocaust okay so we're we're, i think sometimes we're 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 taking the word mental illness and applying a political stance to it and making it something that it's not and therefore really demeaning uh what mental illness truly is mm-hmm. and yes donald trump is probably the world's greatest example of a narcissist in modern times but he's just a great uh, he's in you know he's a liar he's a pathological liar the man lies every single day in some capacity i watch the news every single day i follow the news as closely as anybody and every single day the man says something that is completely untrue yes 
you know, right. but that's also a pattern of a politician. Like mm -hmm. Donald Trump is just a politician on steroids. Does that make it right? No. no. Our oh, standard no. our standard should not be like yeah, well, at least he's better than the other guy or like like <laughs> the if you like the answer to bad journalism is not worse journalism. worse journalism it's good journalism mm. like the answer to lies are not more lies super lies or, ultra lies or alternate lies yeah. alternate facts, facts alternate facts alternate realities it is truth mm -hmm. and so donald trump is just completely incapable of the truth in fact what i think donald trump like i think donald trump whatever is in his brain at that moment he believes is the truth mm -hmm. and he believes that everybody else will believe the truth because he's now president and they will appeal to authority and say yes because you're a president we believe you make truth now you know and but some people do and he's got a lot of sycophants that mm -hmm. follow him and say yes donald you're right you know, he's got people on TV like Stephen Miller saying he's a genius. He's literally a genius. And Jake Tapper's like, you're too stupid to be here. Leave. You know, like, <laughs> like it, it's it's like Baghdad Bob or the woman who's the Kim Jong-un newsreader. Like, you just mm -hmm. go, is this America? Like, uh, so, again, I, I just kind of fall somewhere in the middle. Like, I just don't think it's black and white. And I don't think the president's crazy. And I don't think that he's too mentally ill to do his job. But I do think he's too unprepared to be president. That's why I didn't vote for him. Yeah. I do think he's unstable. That's why I didn't vote for him. It's okay. You'll have a choice for Oprah in 2020. Right. Yeah. Well, good. Right. <laughs> uh, there's a great article called, Is There Something Neurologically Wrong with Donald Trump? In the Atlantic by James Hamblin on January 3rd, 2018. Again, in the show notes or at WAL.com. Uh, WALpolitics.com um, and it's basically a long explanation now the if the narcissistic personality disorder is not a problem what about the cognitive decline is there cognitive decline well this is something that I think we should we should seriously watch for they talk about this the slurring speech and they talk about grabbing the glass with both hands and uh, the 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 problems with uh, his his vocabulary um and they say you know there are people now pushing for uh, a panel to to judge the uh the competency and the cognitive effectiveness of a president and they point out that the today even the country's missilers whose job it is to sit in bunkers and await a signal from the president of the united states are tested three times per month uh, on their ability to execute protocols. They're required to score at least 90%. Testing is not required for their commander-in-chief that would uh, that would execute the sort of high-level decision that would set the process in motion. Um, and they point out that the average age of the people running for president are older. Uh, last, it was 69, 70, and 75. By the time of the 2021 20, inauguration, a president, Joe Biden, would be 78 and they point out that after 40, the brain decreases in volume by about 5%. The most noticeable loss is in the frontal lobes. These control motor functioning of the sort that would direct a hand to a cup and a cup to the mouth in one fluid motion, in most cases without even looking at the cup. These lobes also control much more important processes, from language to judgment to impulsivity. Everyone experiences at least some degree of cognitive and motor decline over time, and some, 8.8% of Americans over 65, now have dementia. Uh, so then they go on to talk about, uh, you know, people not 
down basically downplaying uh, FDR's health. Um, so, and they they basically say there's no real like formal way to judge a president's health. The president will go on Friday to the naval base to have his uh, health inspected, and they don't have to tell us what they find. Yeah, it can they it can be whatever, but they can hide it, and then they talk about basically uh, the the FDR uh, hiding of his of his stuff, uh, his polio, um, and uh let's see so you know and they go on to talk about Harold Bornstein the the gastrointestinal gastrointestinologist his doctor who had the long hair who was like he's the healthiest individual ever elected to the presidency <laughs> yeah the guy was, <laughs> that guy yeah. right it was so funny it's the best i was like are you reading his script <laughs> right uh, and this is this is something that I've talked about in the past. Indeed, a key indicator of neurological status, Trump's di- distinctive diction, has not gone without scrutiny. Trump was once a more articulate person who sometimes told stories that had beginnings, middle, and ends, whereas now he leaps from thought to thought and has come to rely on a small stable of adjectives, often involving superlatives, and a probably high proportion of what he describes as either the greatest or the worst he's ever seen, absolutely terrible or the best, tiny or huge the frontal lobes also control speech uh and they basically find the they go and pull this woman at stat which is a site that i've never heard of sharon begley did an analysis of trump's speeches and interviews in the 80s and 90s to now Mm -hmm. and it's pretty i mean it's pretty clear like you know, well, what we need is competence. We don't have that. We have a one-line artist. That's all he is. You know, and he has. Uh, and then they compare that today, and it's like, my wall, my beautiful wall. I love my wall. It's huge, big, big, big wall. You know, I mean, and, right? And uh, it, it, she says that he exhibits a clear reduction in linguistic sophistication over time, with simpler word choices and sentence structures. Uh, this is evident even at his resort in Florida, where he goes on to talk about tax cut will be will be huge. <laughs> so, um, so uh, though it is not possible to diagnose a person with dementia based on speech patterns alone, these are the sorts of changes that appear in the early stages of Alzheimer's. Trump is likening himself to Ronald Reagan, and the changes in Trump's speech evoke those seen in the late president. Reagan announced Alzheimer's in 94, but there was evidence of linguistic change over the course of his presidency that experts have argued was indicative of early decline. His grammar worsened and his sentences were often more incomplete. He came to rely on more on vague and simple words, indefinite nouns, and low imaginability words like have, go, and get. Uh, after the diagnosis, Jimmy Carter said that there should be some sort of testing and wrote an article in, the ni- in 1994 in the, in the Journal of American Medical Association saying the great weakness of the 25th Amendment and its provision for determining disability is in the event that the president is unable or unwilling to certify to impairment or disability. Uh, and the 1967 Amendment, which was shepherded through by Birch Bayh of Indiana, was in the wake of uh, a hole in the Constitution that Birch Bay noticed when uh, Kennedy was assassinated and Johnson was to take over, uh, and he said, "Well, what if what if Kennedy had been in a coma? We need some clarity in the Constitution." Ooh, yeah, yeah, and so that's why the Twenty Fifth Amendment. That's when it was passed. Um, 
This may not happen with a person who has come to be known for denying any hint of weakness or inability, nor would it happen if a president had a psychiatric disorder that impaired judgment, especially if it was one defined by grandiosity, obsession with status, and intense aversion to being perceived as weak. So, uh, and and it goes on uh, to kind of continue talking about uh, presidential fitness and mental illness and some of the decay, but... Uh, really thorough article, and I don't think an unfair question to ask based on uh, I, I just m- myself, like watching the videos of him on Oprah or on Larry King in the 80s or Charlie Rhodes in the 80s. He's a different person. He speaks in a different way. Hmm. And if he if he does two terms, and at this point I think it would be, uh, depending on who the, pres- the Democrats put up, I think he would have a pretty good shot at being reelected. Uh, I considering would, they can't get anyone to build up every yeah because anyone like any good candidate they probably had it got any male is going to get torn down through me too um that's just hey that's just where it is and a lot of the females just have a lot of baggage that they just have so right unless they go unless the justice democrat has got some democrat that's sitting out in the woods somewhere meditating on you know like cactus juice and uh <laughs> You know that they're going to bring out last minute. That's that's who they're going to have to bring out. You know, just like the, the that's why Obama did so well. Just like, well, he's kind of was an unknown. He you right. Know, you know, he just became like ah, oh, senator. Oh, boom, now president. Because if he stayed in the Senate for too long, he's like oh, he would have had all this Democrat baggage. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I just think you should use your eyes, and I think you should trust your own gut, and you should trust your own reality. I, I think. I think it is so easy when you're on Facebook all day and uh, you you don't get to read the news and you don't feel like you know what's going on and you see somebody who is so sure that the president is the greatest president of all time and this book is a fake book or you've got a Democrat friend who is just sure that the, the president has Alzheimer's and this or that, like, it, it just trust your own reality, all right? Like, you really look at this stuff and you go, okay, like this person on the, I just don't trust people who are on the left or right anymore. Like I've just stopped trusting friends who are just buying wholesale anything from Sean Hannity or Rachel Maddow. Like I just can't do it anymore. Like I can't talk to those people. Like it's, it's, it's a waste of time in some ways. Yeah, it's a waste of time. It feels like it feels like a waste of time, and they're in their own little crazy world. Right. Like I like a turning on to I turned on the local freedom radio station ninety. Oh, who cares? Um, there's junk. Right. And they were just talking about, and they went into this how the the immigrant crisis, and we're going. It's like what. How are you talking about this? Right. Why are you spreading falsehoods about this? This is not a Republican message. You know, you're going to spend all this money doing Okay, whatever. And I'm like, so it's like a, it's like you guys are concentrating on something that's so small, just feeding red meat to a base that somehow, for some reason, cares about this tiny little subject. Yeah. It's just, it's when so when you go to talk to them, they're thinking about this one thing here, which is okay. You can bring it up, you can talk about that, but it's like they're in their own little world. Yeah, they just never decided to move on and think about other things. The, like the, ec- the echo chambers have become more pronounced. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I, you look at net neutrality. Net neutrality was not argued based on what Ajit Pai did. Mm-hmm. It was what it, whatever straw man was concocted on both sides. Like if you right. look, if you look at like we'll talk about the pot ruling by Sessions here in a moment. Like 
libertarians are not arguing about what actually was done. Mm-hmm. They're just basically like, Jeff Sessions is an idiot and pot rules. Like, well, that's not actually like, I don't know. I'm just the type of person who wants to know what's actually going on. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Call yeah. me crazy. I love making fun of people for no reason, but mm-hmm. like. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the thing with, yeah, the whole Jeff Sessions, like make the, like, just like some of those GOP members was like, no, he's wrong on these terms. It's like, I'm not good with the pot, but these, these states did do this and went at it. The other thing with the whole Jeff Sessions thing is that all these Democrats are like, look at what the Republicans are getting. Well, Obama may have said not to send the DEA agents after um, those uh, d- marijuana dispensaries, but they did it anyways. Mm-hmm. They raided a whole bunch of places in Colorado, Washington, and California. You know, so before anyone thought like Obama was going to be soft on weed, he wasn't. He wasn't. The uh, DEA agents still kicked down doors, stole money, stole weed. All right, so the let's talk about the Sessions ruling. Uh, Jeff Sessions released a memo this week that basically rescinded a former ruling uh, by a deputy Sorry, attorney general named uh, Cole, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll find out. But it, his name doesn't matter. What what essentially happened when all these states like Colorado started passing uh, legislation in their states uh, that basically violated federal law. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Obama administration was under pressure to release rulings for their for their attorney generals in in these various states, and so the deputy attorney general told the federal uh, attorneys, like, focus on your priorities. Okay, if somebody is running one of these businesses where they're shipping pot into states that don't have these rules, bust them. If they're trying to sell pot to kids and market to kids, bust them. If they're trying to, uh, if they're involved in international gang violence or drug smuggling, bust them. You know, use your priorities that we've outlined in the past and focus on violent crime and violent criminals. And then if we get to pot, get to it, but only in the extreme cases. Mm-hmm. Because here's what most of the people who are on the extremes of this argument aren't telling you. Less than 1% of marijuana busts usually are at the federal prosecutorial level. It's a very low priority because the federal D- the DEA and the federal government and the, and the Justice Department don't have the money to go after pot cr- criminal offenses. They're going after gangs. They're going after major drug smugglers. They're going after you know, terrorists, they're not focused on pot farmers. And so it's never really been a priority in the first place. And all they did was basically say in 2013 and through several other rulings, focus on here. If if they do these things, then yes, pursue them. But focus on the priorities that we've outlined. Mm-hmm. What Jeff Sessions did was say all of that isn't even necessary to say so we're just getting rid of these guidelines. Now, yes, Jeff Sessions hates pot. And Jeff Sessions does want to take as many of the handcuffs off as possible. So he is he it is a it is a veiled message to federal prosecutors that you are allowed to pursue pot cases. Are they going to? No. No. Because when every one of like the both the federal prosecutor over Colorado and over Southern California, they both said, this just isn't a priority for us. We don't have the resources to pursue those cases, even if we wanted to, so it's just not going to be a big deal. And so 
the it somehow it's become a state's rights issue. So because it it is a state it is a state's right issue. Right. A lot of the a lot of the things that the federal government decides to do, they shouldn't be doing, and the state should take it back. Right. So uh, great article from Will Bod from the Vol- Volaka Volak Volak conspiracy. <laughs> now at reason, the rule of law supports marijuana federalism. Um, uh, so he writes, one major line I've seen in defense of Sessions' action is that his position is truer to the rule of law. Maybe Congress should decentralize marijuana policy, the argument goes. But until it does, the executive branch should be enforcing the law, not suspending or dispensing with ones it thinks are unwise. As a general principle, I agree there is a lot to that. Yeah, they should. Rule of law is one of our seven principles here. The 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 seven principles of libertarianism that we uphold individualism individual rights spontaneous order limited government free markets the virtue of production natural harmony of interest and peace well limited government part of that is the rule of law and uh but it shouldn't trump individualism so therefore we believe that you should have a free market and individuals Mm -hmm. should be free to choose and no matter whether or not the federal or the state governments are getting in the way of that, it's an it's an uh, unconstitutional law, and therefore mm-hmm. you should nullify it if you're a juror. Jury yep. nullification. Yep, jury nullification is one of the best things to do. Uh, it's it, in a lot of different. St- uh, I think it was like New Hampshire is one of the few states that you can actually go. Um, the pro- um, the defendant can actually say that to the juror. Or right. Be that the, the cases out there. Indiana is also one of them. Uh, if you live in Indiana, like. Um, you uh, as a defendant, you can also bring that case up. You can bring that up to the jury, and just it, it's there basically to check, uncheck like awful laws, like these plant law, plant based laws, you know, or get people off of different things. It's it's that's what it's there for, or, or yeah. for goofy laws that need to be that's are on the books and need to get off. Um, sorry, I've, Go ahead. I'm ready to explode on this thing. Go for it. <laughs> All right, let me finish setting it up, and then you can explode. Uh, so. Essentially, here's why a rule of law, it really doesn't even matter, according to the Volokh conspiracy. First, the Constitution does not allow Congress to regulate all in-state marijuana, and the Supreme Court should not have said that it does. Congress's enumerated powers are to regulate interstate commerce and to pass laws necessary and proper to carrying that interstate regulation into effect. This means that Congress can ban interstate drug trade and that it can also police in-state drugs that would spill over into interstate commerce, but that does not mean all in-state drugs. It depends on the circumstances in each state, and it especially depends on how each state regulates and drugs and drug policies and possible spillover. Uh, Gonzalez versus Reich in 2005 said that uh, states have no authority based on interstate commerce when it comes to drugs, and they were wrong on that account. Mm-hmm. Second, the attorney general does not have to and should not adopt the Supreme Court's reasoning in Reich and as federal law enforcement policy. Members of the executive branch have their own obligation to interpret the Constitution, and if a federal law is unconstitutional in part, then the executive branch, no less than the courts, should say so. It is the Constitution, not the court, that is the ultimate rule of law in our system. So to be consistent with the rule of law, what Attorney General Sessions should have done would have been to revise the Obama administration's enforcement guidance so that it was based on the Constitution, on the limits of federal power to reach wholly in-state activity, rather than on sheer policy discretion. Uh, So you... 
you know, we understand the instinct to be wary of excessive executive discretion in law enforcement, but we should not forget that the Constitution is one of the laws that the executive enforces and hopefully above all others. So going back to our seven principles, you're free to smoke weed, man. <laughs> like, And so mm-hmm. just because the Supreme Court has passed, uh, 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 the executive branch should check the Supreme Court and it should challenge Congress to change its laws. Yeah. And uh, something more favorable. Yeah. It's the one thing, like, a lot of conservatives, like, I don't understand why libertarians are, like, so hyper on weed. It's like, well, because a lot of libertarians don't smoke weed. Right. But I they, don't. Uh, I don't either. And But we, a lot of them know people who have, or just understanding the aspect of, this is the government restricting what someone is doing and putting inside their body. How can you sit there and debate me on medical care and talk about I could eat whatever cheeseburger I want and then, then harp on someone for smoking weed? You're bo- you know, like, if you believe one is damaging the body, but not the other, but you're going to defend someone drinking a cheeseburger and alcohol, you're a freaking hypocrite and don't want to go over the rest of the way. You know, you mostly just see your hill that you want to talk about, but, you know, just because the weed and pot smokers is a different other and they're not your and not your case, not your drug of co- choice, you won't defend up of them. I think it's the most bull crappy thing that I see most quote unquote Republican conservatives go after. Well, like, yeah, I just, you know, I'm fine with weed. I just don't see the point of it. I'm like, it's the point because it's the federal government regulating a plant. That's the freaking problem. They don't have, they don't have the constitution ability to go after a freaking plant, especially a plant that grows freaking in anywhere. You know, I don't want to go into the aspects of like, oh, it's a miracle drug. I don't know about that. I don't really care about that. All I know is it's just a freaking plant. Doesn't harm anyone. I think the only person that's ever been killed with marijuana was crushed by it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it was hilarious. crushed. Crushed because he was carrying so much. And with the drug bust, right? Majority of the drug bust when it comes to marijuana, just confiscation. They plead down to a lesser charge. And most of the time, when they bust someone for marijuana, right? Like a cop or something like that, it's so little. Most of the time, most people try to get rid of it by swallowing it or destroying it. And they get them on that. They get them right. on destroying evidence. Yeah. Or, uh, and most of the time, so when the DA agents do bust something, they bust they bust businesses, so they go in and take that large jank of cash and hit hit that with civil asset forfeiture. Hmm. They take all that cash out of the drawer. They take the cash out of the safe because using a lot of the uh, the commerce clause and stuff like that, they're not able to to deposit. They're not allowed to take credit card transactions or deposit a lot of that cash into banks. So they've got all this cash on hand. They can't have guns and. So what happens? The freaking, you know, so the D agent, it's almost like sitting like, huh, our budget is down a hundred thousand. Let's go raid this pot dispensary. Yeah. And, and he rescinded some rules, rulings on some of the money and the banking institutions. Mm-hmm. And Which really what, not- really what sessions his, his aim here is he, he was creating headlines. Correct. And so he unintentionally, that was not his intention. No, People- I, I would, I would argue that his, he knows that he's not legally changing anything. Hmm. but he's creating headlines that will destabilize the industry and if they really wanted to they could send a letter now to each one of these dispensaries because there's a list of all the growers (laughs) and all the dispensaries and say to all of those involved in the marijuana industry and say you're subject to prosecution under federal law which is technically true because you're violating federal law even though you're following state law Mm -hmm. but uh and that could have a chilling effect on the industry as well Mm -hmm. but the likelihood of them actually pursuing anything is very nil just based on priorities and budget and in the in the document he says 
it's basically to translate it from legalese and because I don't have the exact language right in front of me, it's it's basically like follow the long established priorities that you've had all all along, which is basically saying business as usual, guys. Mm -hmm. But this was a way to create some headlines to really demobilize and stagnate the growth and do exactly what what happened, which is. Out on Facebook, everybody's freaking out that the that the Trump administration is anti-pot. Well, Donald Trump, the president, who really doesn't like Jeff Sessions and is probably going to fire him at some point in 2018, uh, is is really 50-50 on the issue, and and he is a person that wants he wants wins. Okay, he's not a person with uh, uh, any kind of ideology. He may lean right, but he was a Democrat like six years ago, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's and when it comes to marijuana, he's just said, eh, whatever, we've got bigger, bigger fish to fry. And marijuana legalization is the only issue that's the least polarizing issue in the country. Like in 2000, 31 percent of adults believe that it should be legalized recreationally. This year, the Pew Research Foundation found it was 61 percent. Mm-hmm. It's a 30 point increase. Right. You know, and you've got 27 states now that allow medical marijuana. Medical marijuana. Yeah. And And California, the biggest state. One in five people live in a state with recreational marijuana now. Like uh, New Hampshire, as Sessions put it out, uh, Vermont was passing in its legislature a law to make it okay recreationally. New Hampshire's about to do the same. Yeah. Like the the dominoes are way past. Yeah. As long as they get that stinking governor out of there. Right. Because like New Hampshire's been trying to pass medical marijuana for the longest time. And they've, they've several different times. They had bipartisan Republican and Democrat bills to go up to uh, their uh, Maggie Hassan, their former governor up there. And she turned it down, turned it back down. That's freaking Democrat, Democrat governor of New Hampshire. She just turn it down, turn it back down. You know, yeah, crazy. Like, th- this issue is this issue. It's it's like trying to fight against legalizing gay marriage. Like right. it's over. The fight is over. We can move on. Right. Yeah, it's it's over. But the 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 money and it's also easy. So that's the other thing is like the, with the optics of the drug war, it's it's easy to pot uh, to hit a pot bus. It's easy to find a pot bus. It smells. It stinks. Uh, pots. Um, it's not a. It's just like it's a cash crop. If it's legal, you can do large amounts of it. So it's not going to be. It's not profitable to send a lot of it uh, in and out of the country, unless you could pay off a bunch of people and then wait. And the only drugs that you can, the harder drugs, the drugs actually have guns. You know the drugs who have like huge, massive, you know, intel operations that make billions of dollars a year. Then the DEA has to target those guys, and they don't want to, right? Because I don't care what anyone says; it is impossible to get as much drugs in the United States if it's not coming in by a truck, yeah, or a boat, a gigantic boat. Because there's too many drugs in this country to think it's just sneak smuggled o- over a border on some donkey, you know, from Mexico, <laughs> or comes in on tiny little cigarette boats in Florida, or it's someone, or some, you know, Canadian backpacker th- coming over to Canada. That's bullcrap. I mean, exactly, you know, you everyone and the, their mama knows exactly how the drugs are getting in this country coming through the border, and each border, and could because if if it's a billion dollar company, they can spend millions of dollars to pay off the every freaking agent from the border up to get paid and come to the country. Country. Yeah, and if you try to tell me I'm not, and it's like fine, then then they explain to me how all these drugs are getting in this country. Explain to me exactly how, because other than that, dude, that makes no sense. It's not coming in that many butts. There's not that many butts that can hold that. There's much. a lot of butts. There's a lot of butts, but you can only fit so much up your butt. Okay, 
Says you. <laughs> you should see. You should see how large my anal cavity is. Uh, <laughs> oh, so that's how you pay to go on your trips. <laughs> yeah, I smuggle myself up there. <laughs> I have a, such a large anal cavity because I'm always talking out of my ass. <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah. But uh, so, okay, so I can see what you're saying. Like to me, I thought he was just trying to change things up, and someone just kind of like grabbed. He, he did it to make it make sense to possibly try to ch- i thought he was mostly just trying to pivot it right that's what i felt he thought you're just trying to pivot the language of it but then again i can see what you're saying but like i should more even try to pivot and then someone noticed the pivot and then decided to make it like a press now nah, it, it was a it was a wink to anybody that might be favorable and none of them are favorable even though a lot of the uh l- prosecutors the federal prosecutors are appointed mm-hmm. by uh sessions they're not going after pot like I think that if you're in a state where you have medical or recreational marijuana, I don't think you're in any danger. I don't think that anything's going to change. I think that this was just a complete uh, PR stunt by Jeff Sessions. They need the tax. Also need the tax money because smoking is down. Right. Okay. The sm- the anti the anti smoking people you succeeded. The other problem is there's a lot of things that were paid from that smoking tax. One and the, it's gone now. Yeah. One of the uh, yeah. That's a great point. One of the, like here, our, our children's insurance program in Indiana, uh, HIP, Help Indiana. Yeah, Help so, Indiana program. Is, was paid by cigarette taxes and cigarette settlements. And so, you know, that's waning. But, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I would say that um, in my preparation on the Michael Wolf stuff, uh, one of the people reviewing the book said, basically when you read anything in media today about politics, you have to you have to ask yourself qui bono who who benefits mm-hmm. who is benefiting from me reading this information because so much of political journalism is gossip it is a, a highly placed source who is basically leaking information strategically so you will read it and think a certain way about a certain person or thing or policy and so when you read stuff you have to sit there and go okay who's benefiting from this and so that is a really good standard, I think. Like, if you're reading the Michael Wolf book and Steve Bannon looks brilliant, then you go, okay, well, then this was ghostwritten by Steve Bannon because he's benefiting the most from this. And in this case with Jeff Sessions, Jeff Sessions is benefiting. Jeff Sessions has had his credibility damaged by the Trump base, which is mostly boomer right. And so what's the best way for him to re-ingratiate himself to that to that base, well, get some favorable headlines by cracking down on some potheads. So Jeff Sessions effectively does nothing on the legal side, but does everything on the political side to help himself. So that that's really the message that comes out of this. Uh, so while we're talking about bad journalism, let's talk about some good journalism. Um, James Risen. Uh, R-I-S-E-N, is a former New York Times reporter. Actually, his first reporting job was in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Shout out to our super-duper fan, Christy Avery. And James Risen went on to be the intelligence reporter for the New York Times. And he is now working for The Intercept, the Glenn Greenwald outfit, and has written what I can only say is a mini book (laughs) on the Intercept website about his experience of being charged by the Bush and Obama administrations 
for uh, not giving up his sources. So, so James Risen essentially uh, had so much huge groundbreaking information in the early 2000s that wouldn't get printed. The PRISM program, mm-hmm. the or the first phases of the PRISM program that Edward Snowden leaked, yeah. James Risen had and had written stories and submitted to his editors 10 years previous. In, in t- the mid-2000s, he was writing about how they were doing massive surveillance on Americans. And he would submit it to his editors, and the executive editor of The Times... And his direct editor would not print it because the Bush administration and he presumes Dick Cheney were directly asking them not to. And he's even mentioned in Michael Hayden's book, who was NSA director, as someone who they just couldn't work with. He he only cared about the public's right to know. And his his direct editor, I wish I remembered his name, uh, but he did a great Ryzen did a great podcast on the Intercept. Uh, it's called Intercepted with Jeremy Scahill. Uh, it's the most recent episode. I'll put it all in the show notes. And he basically said, yeah, the executive editor of the New York Times was summoned to the CIA and NSA headquarters. He became friends with the head of the intelligence community. He was given tours that were specifically designed to get him to uh, see their point of view and scare him. And basically they were case officering him, which Mm. is a which is a way of saying that the intelligence services of the United States government groomed this editor at the New York Times mm-hmm. to keep him from printing stories under Bush and Obama that would would basically expose everything that Edward Snowden exposed. Uh, James Risen wrote a book at one point called The State of War, and he got so frustrated by so many of his, resol- uh, his revelations um, you know, on the terrorist finance tracking program, the SWIFT database, uh, th- these secret operations that were carried out in Iran against their nuclear program by the CIA. Did you ever hear that the CIA went into Iran to bl- to blow up their nuclear operations under the Bush administration? That would be mittens uh, destroying, just <laughs> jihading on Harry's backpack in the background. Glad my laptop was out of there. Yeah, sorry about that. Do uh, you know better? Um, yep. yep. So the U.S. government, federal government, also obtained. Uh, they started as when they found out. So he said to his editors, "I want you to know." Yes, Harry. I'm just gonna say you. It's crazy about that. What? I did know that? You know well, how I know that? How? You ready? Uh-huh. Infowars.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, that's nuts. That's crazy. You would th- oh, crap baskets. <laughs> you would think, and this shows you the propaganda of the early to mid-2000s, you would think that a book that came out and said, uh, it's called The State of War, The Secret History of the CIA and the Bush Administration by the New York Times intelligence reporter who is has one mass. he is not Michael Wolf. This mm-hmm. is a very credible journalist. Uh, he is like David K. Johnston, who is the former tax writer at the Times, who has written many great books. Like he is a, an eminently credible, qualified journalist, and uh, he, he wrote a book that basically said uh, we carried out 
a CIA operation in 2000, Operation Merlin, intended to delay Iran's alleged nuclear weapons program by feeding it flawed blueprints for key missing components, which backfired and may have actually aided Iran, as the flaw was likely detected and corrected by a former Soviet nuclear scientist the operation used to make the delivery. Uh, in early 2003, the New York Times refrained from publish publication of the story after intervention by NSA advisor Condoleezza Rice with the New York Times executive editor Hal Raines. Uh, and so they stopped that book. Mm. Um, he writes, several of the Iranian CIA agents were arrested and jailed while the fate of some of others is still unknown after a CIA official in 2004 sent an Iranian agent an encrypted electronic message mistakenly including data that could potentially identify virtually every spy the CIA had in Iran. The Iranian was a double agent and handed over the information to Iranian intelligence. This also had been denied by an intelligence official. Uh, he also alleges that the Bush administration is responsible for the transformation of Afghanistan into a narco state that provides a purported 80% of the world's heroin supply. Uh, he, it also contains the NSA leak story, uh, basically the, in, in, in retaliation, uh, while he was researching the book, they found out Ryzen's email and phone connections with uh, CIA operations officer Jeffrey Alexander Sterling were monitored by the federal government. The U.S. federal government also obtained his credit and bank records. Um, they issued a press release indicating that books uh, contained serious errors in every chapter. Um, and... They released documents, however, in 2015 confirming confirming many details on Operation Merlin. This is all from uh, James Risen's Wikipedia page. So he he says he's also the reporter that uh, broke the Win Ho Lee story when a Los Alamos computer scientist who is a Chinese American had stolen nuclear secrets secrets for China. So. James Risen is an American hero. This is somebody who had all these all these amazing groundbreaking stories in the middle of the Iraq war that of what the security apparatus was building and would go to his editors and at every turn the editors would not print it. So he said, I'm I'm writing a book and I'm going to print the book. And they did everything they could to thwart him. They fired him at, eventually for insubordination. And he has now written a new book, uh, which I should be more prepared and should be able to tell you right off the top of my head what said book is. Um, but he has written a new book talking about his fight with the New York Times and with the federal government about his uh, his challenges, basically trying to bring us the information that we need to know. Uh, and, and in all the ways that the government has been spying on us for nearly 20 years. And he eventually was uh, sued by the Bush administration. You, know, you may remember that uh, his colleague, uh, was it J Judith? Oh, I should have written all this down. Uh, yes, Pay Any Price by James Risen is out now, nine bucks, nine ninety nine on Kindle. Uh, please give that, one? give that guy ten bucks. He's worth it. Uh, yeah, Pay Any Price by James Risen, and and he eventually goes on to get sued, and the case lasts for seven years of the Obama administration, and uh, he refuses to give up his sources. He refuses to give up his sources just like 
his New York Times colleagues, just like Fox News's James Rosen, um, Cheryl Atkinson, who was spied on, had her computer woken up by the NSA and saw the NSA hacking her computer. You know, these these are the serious journalistic assaults by the federal government on journalism under two administrations. And I will I will say to Trump's credit that Michael Wolf in the beginning of the book praised Donald Trump for being more open with the press than his predecessors. And it is true that Donald Trump has been and this is the great dichotomy of Donald Trump is that Donald Trump has always sued reporters and talked crap about reporters, but then gives them more access, including calling them up under fake names and giving them tips. In the <laughs> in the eighties he would call the post with, with as his press agent and he basically sounded like Donald Trump and like you can hear the tapes of Donald Trump pretending to be a press agent. But so for all the talk of Donald Trump being anti-press, and he is, it's the the truth is is that Barack Obama prosecuted more sources for journalists under the Espionage Act than every president combined, mm-hmm. and and threatened to jail James Risen, yep. and you know, and denied access, and denied access like you wouldn't believe, and it's just. I'm glad that Donald Trump is so incompetent that he doesn't understand the powers that he actually has. Because if he were as smart as George Bush or Barack Obama, he'd probably do way worse crap. (laughs) And this is the argument for not building a secret state. Because the, the NSA spied on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, and that information was... I would, I would bet you a million dollars that if we could find the truth, Donald Trump... And and all this all this spying apparatus that was used on uh, Carter Page mm-hmm. and Donald Trump and the tower and Trump Tower and Manafort and uh, Michael Flynn, mm-hmm. I bet you all that information found its way right back to Hillary Clinton during the campaign. Probably accidentally. Accidentally on, on one in one of her bathroom servers. Right. So speaking of that, uh, I don't know if there's anything you'd like to say about that particular story before we move on to which is weird is like to, now to think back of about all those info war stories are they most of the is most of like alex jones's like sources are people in like the like times of mo- mainstream media that can't get articles posted so right. they just send it over to him mm-hmm. they just i'm just gonna send it to him why he'll say anything right he's the michael wolf of yeah. media yeah yeah, that, that's that's why I've always said he is fifty percent bluster and vitamin sales, twenty five percent batshit crazy conspiracy, and twenty five percent. Oh, that's probably true. Yeah, that one's probably. Yeah, yeah probably. That's, so that's why I listen to Alex Jones is because I think sometimes some of his narratives might not be wrong. Yeah, I love playing one player games and just listen to Infowars. Yeah, you know because it's like having it in the background, and if he says something, like wait a minute, stop, let me like write that down and go after that. <laughs> I'm gonna go look that right. up real quick after that. But yeah, you know it's which is weird is it, like I said, I just don't. I prefer, I would love just to listen to Alex Jones and it'd be like the flight of fancy, like something to listen to, like that, like, kind of like listen to Coast to Coast AM and have people call in and stuff for that. Right. But, you know, I, it, horrible every time when you find out like, wow, he said this and came out like when everyone was first talking about prison, I was like, yeah, I knew about, I know about that. The original cast returns Thursday, Chris Galt and Creighton Harrington, and I may ask Galt, because Galt, Galt has said 2017 is the year that Alex Jones was proved credible. It was, which is scary. Uh, 
Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, not 100% credible. I'm not saying everything out of his mouth was gold. Worth listening to. Yeah, worth definitely. On occasion. Yeah, worth listening to. Definitely more like if if you view, if you don't go to, like if you go to sites like, um, like, like some of the awful gutter and you don't do Infowars, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. You know, I go to the gutter sites and get like stuff from huh? natural news or what you know you know you, you just go places where you just to go find awful things just to see what they're thinking what they're reading about just because i and you may discredit like um, like 4chan poll yeah i go to i don't go to 4chan i have never been to 4chan i don't know <laughs> what you're talking about um yeah <laughs> but no like um you i like to read articles off a site that i don't dis- i like i hardly disagree with just to get the information of it like um do i jump on get a you know, I used to jump on just to see what the Daily Stormer was doing. Heck yeah. What the heck do these people think about it? They're crazy. They're freaking bat crap crazy. Best way to not be afraid of a white supremacist is to meet one. Right. Listen to them. Talk but to at, them. At the same time, I like to look at all the black supremacy stuff, the We Was Kings crap. You know, I like to look at that, see what they're doing. You know. Speaking of conspiracies, uh-huh. this is from RawStory.com. Raw Story is a left leaning. Uh, aggregation site like mm-hmm. the Blaze or the Daily Wire or mm-hmm. Daily Caller, but on the left it's Raw Story, Huffington Post, uh, Salon, talk, Salon, Talking Points, Memos. Uh, so they write F- Fusion GPS attorney. Now Fusion GPS, as you will recall, they are the ones that were hired by the Washington Times. Uh, to was it the Washington Times or the Washington Examiner? The DC Examiner, I think, is actually the one that hired them originally to do the Steele dossier. Eventually, the Clinton administration or the Clinton campaign took it up, paid for the dossier. It's the one that started all the Russia hullabaloo. It basically said that Donald Trump was being groomed by Putin for five years, and uh, Putin is basically grooming Trump to be president and helping him win. And he got peed. He he watched Russian hookers pee on each other, and BuzzFeed printed it in whole. Fusion GPS is uh, a a group of former journalists from the Wall Street Journal and other places who formed this uh, basically negative research firm. Like if you're running a campaign, you hire them to dig up dirt on your candidate, and. So they're talking about the Steele dossier here, and the headline is Fusion GPS Attorney Drops Bombshell. How do we know this is credible? Well, Diane Feinstein asked that all of the testimony by the head of uh, Fusion GPS about the dossier be released to the public, and it was. And he says, Fusion GPS Attorney Drops Bombshell. Somebody's already been killed as a result of this dossier. At least one person has been killed as a result of the Steele dossier, according to congressional testimony. Fusion GPS founder Glenn Simpson told the Senate Judiciary Committee in August that he could not describe what steps his firm and the dossier's author had taken to verify the credibility of their sources. The firm's attorney, Joshua Levy, explained to lawmakers why Simpson was reluctant to reveal much about their sources or methods. It's a voluntary interview, and in addition to that, he wants to be very careful to protect his sources, Levy told the panel. Somebody's already been killed as a result of the publication of this dossier, and no harm should come to anybody related to this honest work. Mm. So, if, I mean, political espionage, let's put this into perspective. A person died, according to them, 
a person died, one of their sources died, mm -hmm. giving information that could be used in negative campaigning against Donald Trump, against any of the Republicans. Who is that person and what did they die from? Some on the internet are floating Seth Rich. Seems very plausible. Seems very plausible. I mean, he's kind of the obvious person because mm -hmm. of all that we know about Seth Rich's death. Mm -hmm. uh, but can't say that for sure. Obviously, they didn't, you know. But there's a lot. Well, but there's a was a lot of weird heart attacks in 2016. That's just a that's just a chilling thought. That like every time you see one of those negative campaign ads on your TV, somebody died for that. Like that's fucked up. Yeah. So, all right. So next time, this is why I always say every tweet, every Facebook post, every comment that comes out of your mouth is an extension of your moral values. And if you're going to share stuff on Facebook, there's real life consequences to what you're sharing. Mm -hmm. And are are you contributing to the uh, political discourse in a public way and in a way that that help, that upholds your personal values and beliefs? Mm -hmm. I fall short of it all the time, but that's the standard that I'm trying to meet. Trying to put positive out into the world. Yep. Things that don't get people killed. Um, final story for tonight. U.S. to loosen nuclear weapons constraints and develop more usable warheads. The Trump administration plans to loosen constraints on the use of nuclear weapons and develop a new low-yield nuclear warhead for U.S. Trident missiles, according to a former official who has seen the most recent draft of a policy review. This is from The Guardian, Julian Borger, today, Tuesday, June... I need to go... Whatever, whatever plan you're putting together for, for Donald Trump and Barack Obama, put me under it. Yeah, I'm already, ready. We already got that. I already got that. I've got... I need, like, two more signatures. <laughs> yeah, two, two, two hours of talking. Mitten's already signed. On so. an 18-hour day, and I'm burnt. I'm trying to get muffins. Muffins is my homegirl, and she will she, not... She won't sign. She won't relent. Uh, essentially, everybody's freaking out over this. Uh, what you have to understand is a lot of our nuclear arsenal is very outdated. The technology in it is very outdated. And, Harry, you're really into tech. What happens when you use old technology that isn't updated? Works. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if, it's not if it's not broken, don't fix it. The biggest problem is the things break down or you can't find someone that, you know, knows how to program it or work on it. Just like the whole cobalt disaster. Was it like 15 years ago when you couldn't find a cobalt? Oh, you know, I can't remember. I had a Chevy Cobalt. It was a no, piece no, of shit. No, not Cobalt, Chevy Cobalt, which is Cavalier, really. Right. But I'm talking about, it's a Cobalt. It's a mainframe programming language and stuff like that. Just like, because like a lot of our old nuclear tech is all based off of, oh God, what is that? I can't remember. But it's like, you see in all the photos, like their big, massive five and a half floppy drives. Yeah. Which is awful because, you know, like there's probably our security holes and all that. But as long as it's not connected to internet, yeah, I don't really see a problem with that. Well, and that's the argument. The reason that we use those old floppies, like I mm -hmm. used in, you know, second grade. Yeah. Um, that you played Oregon Trail on originally is because it's Space never Quest. been. Yeah, it's never been connected to the internet. So it is safer. Uh, so yeah, you need physical access, and physical access is right. super hard to get. So even you know, so that's there's a debate going on in Washington and amongst the uh, the def you know the foreign uh, council on foreign relations people. Hold on, let me re preface that when I said internet and nuclear, hold on. 
They're not connect- okay. Um, Harry, do not muddy this with nerd stuff. <laughs> Someone is going to tweet at me later, like, uh, after you, Harry. Harry, <laughs> Harry has been granted a, a dear leader's reprieve for you <laughs> fact checking nerds. I don't care. I'm tired and I want to end this show. All right, so, uh, so <laughs> the the debate going on in the Council on Foreign Relations, folks, the Defense and International Relations people, is we do need to upgrade the tech and the weapons on the nuclear side, but. If you do that, you signal the Russians. The Russians actually come here mm-hmm. and inspect our nuclear facilities, mm-hmm. and we go over and inspect theirs. And like there's in uh, in I think it's it's like in Nevada or Utah or wherever. There's like these old nuclear uh, reactor bases that yeah. used to build nuclear weapons, and they're now museums. Mm-hmm. And Russians come over and tour those to see if water has gone through lines and stuff like that. And so the the argument is that if we do kind of what we need to do to maintain our nuclear arsenal, mm-hmm. then we're going to get Russia and China and everybody else building new nuclear weapons. Well, we got to update too. If you're updating, exactly right. And so the iNuke. I'm all in favor of just closing it all down. So not personal. Everyone, you know, U.S. isn't doing it, but everyone has their own individual nuke. Right. The Mick nukes and I nukes. All right, so Harry, final thoughts for this episode. Final thoughts for this episode. Um, one, uh, when it comes down to it, when you're looking, um, which the only thing that ever gave me peace of listening to anything that Trump said is take him figuratively, not literally. Mm-hmm. It's easy, little. Sometimes it's easier. He's a showman. He's doing a reality show. Right? Yeah, it's a show. It's a show. And enjoy the show. Enjoy it like it's going to be a great show, especially if Oprah really does puts oh. her hat in the ring. This is a show now, you know. It you know you might as well enjoy the show. And I and if and, and if Oprah does toss her hat in the ring, libertarians bring the show. Get McAfee up there. It's going to be great. Let the show begin. Um, <laughs> the other thing I always want to do is like um, when it comes to uh, like. Um, all right, so the nuclear program, the internet thing. Okay, sorry, that is like, okay, I'll, I'll drop it. I'll talk to you about it tomorrow on Twitch. Uh, you guys can see it, me on intranet Twi- versus internet. Well, we, yeah, we know. well, yeah. no, well, anyway, I'll talk to about it tomorrow on Twitch. Bring it up, I'll, and I'll talk about it. Uh, I'll be on Twitch. It's a uh, Twitch tv slash we are libertarians or in the r shorten it to the letter r because james Neese has lost the account <laughs> login that we had for our libertarians actually spelled out um so i'll be on there about seven or eight o'clock depending on how gunther is on tomorrow um which i glad to help you guys see you guys on there um best recommendation if you are an amazon prime member and you want to come over there uh you go ahead and log in and link your amazon prime account to your twitch account because if you don't they'll pop ads up at you in the middle of the show so i'll be sitting there talking you really interested and then you'll get hit with an ad that's annoying which is annoying but you don't get that if you're an amazon prime member so uh, I have been using a couple things that I think are really cool that I'm sure everybody else uses, but I'm just getting caught up on it. First is Goodreads. Uh, I went through and I you you can use this app called Goodreads, one word, and it's basically I think Amazon probably owns it, 
And you can go in and you can scan all your books. You can add all the books you purchased on Amazon or on your Kindle. You can show people what you're reading. You can review books. You can show what you've read. I've gone in and scanned in all my books. I'm almost done scanning in all my books. Uh, good chance to clean the shelves and get the d- dust and dirt off the books. You, you mean know? duplicates? Uh, no. Well, and yeah, I throw. I threw away some books. Uh, I didn't throw them away. I, I, yeah, I threw away some books because they were. You went to a book burning? Mm, they were trashy romance novels that Jeremiah gave me. And I was like, I'm never going to read Blaxploitation 3. Did you watch my my movie? You know. <laughs> I've never seen your porno, Harry. Mandingo 2, son of Mandingo. <laughs> so, and, and in doing that, I created the top 100 books that have been mentioned on this show and you can find that in the blog roll links at wearelibertarians.com. So if you want a list of 100 books that we've mentioned, uh, I think my reading list of all my different books, you can peruse my books. There's a lot of uh, like. non-Thomas Sowell books on that list. I don't think we've... There's not a Thomas Sowell there book isn't. on there. There yeah. isn't. But I think you can actually go and, and vote on books. Okay. So you can probably add on there. The other is Ancestry. I got an Ancestry today, Ancestry.com. Mm-hmm. Started putting together my family tree. It's really cool. Mm. It's a really cool service. Uh, so if you're like me, you've wanted to do Ancestry.com forever, and you've just been like, I don't know. It's super easy to like track everybody down. And not, you know, I can see who was born in Germany. Ever all of my family, every single branch started in Germany. Uh, except for one one part of my grandfather's family that started in England. Um, I'm almost back six generations uh, just on the app and, you know, just playing around with it. It's pretty fun, so recommend that. Uh, a couple housekeeping things. If you've got an Amazon or an Alexa that you – if you've got an Amazon Echo or one of the Amazon devices or a Google Home, ask it to Alexa, play We Are Libertarians Radio. Alexa, oh, also, stop. Also, yeah. Also, top tip: make sure you use your um, assistant. Make sure you put the security codes and so it responds to like voices in the house too. That'd be great. <laughs> because I just triggered everyone's Alexa. Tell me a dirty joke. So if you can play We Are Libertarians Radio through TuneIn Radio, if you got TuneIn on the on the mobile app, you can listen to We Are Libertarians Radio. It's basically a twenty four hour a day, seven day a, uh, a week stream where you can listen to all of the We Are Libertarians episodes. You can also get that on the front page of WeAreLibertarians.com. And uh, want to thank our Patreon subscribers, our top subscribers, hundred dollars a month, our all stars. <laughs> Uh, Brandon Luke, Christy Avery, Craig DaCosta, Jason Doolittle. Jason's going to fly in. He's going to do the show. Christy just did an episode of Miranda's World. She's been on. Uh, we're almost, I need to get with Craig DaCosta. He, he gets to sit on, on a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to get, uh, Brandon Luke set up so he can come on the show as well. Um, and, uh, our $25 a month folks, uh, Todd Singer, Christopher Brokoff, Doug Stream, Dan Dunbar, Christian Emmons, Heidi Aldridge, Brandon Kester, Carly Ernst, Pete Jones, Joey Turner, Chad Oakage, Nick Economopoulos, Rick Irvine, Brantley Spicer, and Stone Aldridge. Woo! Let me say this. You think you don't have money to subscribe to We Are Libertarians to help make us the biggest independent media outlet of all time, bigger than Alex Jones, Bigger than Democracy Now, bigger than the Young Turks, bigger than the Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro. L- let me tell you about Stone Aldridge. Stone Aldridge is 21. 
mm-hmm. lives in Georgia. It's just a wee a wee lad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel uh, I feel about him as though he's my son. I have taken him under my wing. I'm teaching him about women and life. Uh, we're working on videos. He's he's doing some video work. He to get a subscription. He actually went out and bought one of those reloadable cards for ten dollars a month, so he could join Dear Leaders Court and watch the live stream of the shows every every Tuesday and Thursday night. But then he was like, you know what? I can do more. He got a second job so he could be a $25 a month subscriber on Patreon so he could get the autographed posters. And, uh, like, he's just, he's such a good kid. Mm-hmm. He's he, he is doing, his $25 is like $1,000 to you and me, Harry. Mm-hmm. Because he's just, he's just a mensch. He looks like he looks like a little Ben Shapiro, he, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. He's just a nice boy, and I want to say thank you to to uh, Stone because I I really appreciate that. You're very a very good guy, and uh, it was great meeting Brantley Spicer this past weekend as well at the Libertarian Party meeting. Super nice. We just have like the nicest listeners. We have the best listeners. They're great listeners, and uh, I just really enjoy. When when people donate and contribute, <laughs> then uh, they we get we build a relationship with them, and it's really a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And help build the community. Absolutely. And uh, to that end, I noticed that not a lot of you listened to the horse race episode uh, this past uh, Thursday, but it's a very special episode that I want you to try out. Uh, we had a couple people join the horse race club. I was able to schedule some advertising. For the Horse Race Club today on Facebook to uh, promote that. I got a lot of great response about it. I'm looking for a couple of candidates because I do want to do another round. Uh, I've talked to the National Party to see if they'll send me some of their candidates. They're going to promote it. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about the response about that. The listenership was down, so if you didn't listen to the horse race, go back and listen to it. I promise you'll like it. Okay. All right, so those are the show notes. Those are the the program notes here. Probably do a podcast of it. Make them listen to it on Twitch. Yes, and uh, listen to Harry tomorrow night, and you can listen to it on the Patreon RSS feed if you're an audio listener like me. Is it on my Google Play? And, uh, oh, yeah, I, f- I messed up on the Google Play, guys. Uh, I I put in the new RSS feed to the Google Play hub mm-hmm. so you can listen on Google Play, the Google Play store, and then I deleted it and left the old RSS in there. I'm mm-hmm. very sorry. So someone someone uh, messaged us today, and, uh, and thank you, Joe Benavidez basically messaged me today and said, "Hey, dude, have you done an episode since two fifty one?" I'm like, "Yeah." So I resubmitted it. So if uh, you're a Google Play Store listener, then that will be updated tomorrow yeah. on, on January tenth. So, all right, sorry about that, guys. I'm not perfect. I try. All right, we will see you on Thursday. Harry, we'll see you tomorrow. And until then, we say good be, good be to each other. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Got to get that muffin signature. Bye. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.